Hi there, this is Danny Klein Modisette welcoming you to the Afterbirth Podcast, where we feature real stories about raising kids that you're not going to read in a parenting magazine. We've got a huge December coming up, so mark your calendars. Afterbirth is back on Saturday, December 3rd, featuring the beautiful Diane Farr and some lovely Afterbirth favorites. Call the MBAR at 323-856-0036 for reservations. Then, on Saturday the 10th of December, we have an entire evening dedicated to the comedy of writer-producer Stephen Cragg called I Am Not Mark Twain. Again, call the club at 323-856-0036 for reservations. Stephen has been an afterbirth favorite for many years, and in honor of his upcoming evening, we're podcasting his story, Crabs, which was recorded at the M-Bar in Hollywood, California in 2009. Okay, and now the gentleman we've all been waiting for to just tamp down on some of this estrogen that's been coming at us. Please welcome Stephen Craig. Maybe give some applause for the ladies. They're so great. Five ladies and me kind of brings, brings back memories of my first sexual experience. I was raped. Uh, Anyway, uh, this story is called Crabs. When I walked through the front door of my home, my son turned to his mother and said, do you want to tell dad what happened? Whenever I hear him say that, my heart fills with dread, for it means one of two things. Either my son broke something of mine, or someone was dead. I was hoping it was a ladder because I really love my stuff. (laughs) Thankfully it was, my wife said Henry's crab died. Now after my initial relief, I felt bad immediately. My son did not have good luck with pets. He had a lizard once that we fed with actual crickets. Lesson one, never buy a living thing. You have to feed with other living things. (laughs) It is a huge pain in the ass. In the end, we didn't know how many bugs to feed the lizard, and that became obvious when his tail fell off, his entire body turned jet black, and he tumbled off his driftwood home onto his back. Lesson two, get a pet where you can fill up a bowl with food, and the animal will eat it at its own pace, like an iguana or a cat, not like a dog. Dogs are idiots. And I know this because my first dog named Pebbles ate an entire Easter basket filled with chocolate. Now, certainly by now, canines have to know that chocolate can poison them. And if they don't know it, it means they are not communicating with each other on even the simplest level. And if that isn't enough evidence of a dog's stupidity, When we took Pebbles down to the animal hospital to have her stomach pumped, they also found a pound of rocks, four dice, a golf tee, a Boba Fett action figure, and two condoms. It doesn't get much stupider than that. My son also had a fish, and we didn't know how to feed it either. You can't ask a nine-year-old kid to understand what a pinch of food per day really means. To my son, it meant a handful. Two cartoon X's appeared in the fish's eyes. Then it swelled up until it exploded. 
Lesson three, don't adopt any animal that lives in a tank with water because cleaning out an aquarium is the worst job in the world unless you count those guys who stand on corners spinning real estate signs. <laughs> My son is not only plagued with pets that die, he also has a bitch of a time naming them. He has a tendency towards laziness. He named his lizard Lizzie and his fish fishy. And he wanted to name our dog Snickerdoodle, but my wife and I took off time from work to convince him otherwise. Our dog Hunter is our longest living pet, mainly because my wife named him and is in charge of feeding him. Perhaps my wife should have taken responsibility for my son's crab as well, but she did not, and so once again we stand here with my son and bow our heads a very familiar family picture. <laughs> After a respectful beat of silence, I say, which crab died, honey? Yes, you heard me right. We have two crabs, the hermit crab and the regular crab. I don't know when my son became enamored with crabs. Possibly it was just after his obsession with crocodiles and a day or two before his obsession with giant squids. Still, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I would take a giant squid over a crab. <laughs> crabs are disgusting. They crawl sideways, which I don't trust at all. When my son's hermit crab comes out of its shell at night and moves around, sometimes I stand there and watch it in terror. <laughs> you have to remain perfectly still or the crab shoots back into its shell. But I will stand there and watch it as the crab's claws and feelers start to emerge slowly, tentatively, creepily. I can feel my back hair go up on end like a field of wheat. You can't tell where the crab's face is or its body. You have no idea where it's looking. The creators of that movie Alien knew what they were doing when they had a crab explode out of an egg and attach itself to someone's face. To this day, I refuse to put my face anywhere near a crab or an egg. <laughs> my son told me that it was Crabby 2 that had died. Yes, you heard me correctly. We have a crab named Crabby 2, which means the other crab is Crabby 1. Crabby 2 was the regular crab, the one that lived in its own tank filled with water, motherfucking tank full of water. I don't listen to my own rules. And you can't even see this crab. It stays hidden most of the time under a fake coral arch. And as I looked into the tank that I would happily never have to clean again, I shook my head and told my son things that people who are experiencing real grief never, ever want to hear. You were lucky to even know Krabby Two, honey. Krabby Two is in a better place now. He will never feel any more pain. Krabby Two's energy is all around us now. Can't you just feel Krabby Two in the air? My wife passed by at that moment and said flatly, when you're done with your eulogy, clean out the aquarium and throw the crab out. <laughs> God bless my wife. Just when life becomes too solemn, she comes along and tells you to throw the crab in the trash. 
I gently turned to my son and said, do you want to bury him? Without hesitation, my son said, no. <laughs> well, then if you want, I'll bury him. I'll bury him right next to Squirrely. <laughs> Squirrely was not a pet, but a dead squirrel my son found and named on one of our walks around the neighborhood. <laughs> when we came upon him, he was as stiff as a board. And my son said we had to bury him, even though I knew that burying a squirrel, or even a human being for that matter, is ridiculous. <laughs> when squirrels and people die, they should be thrown out into the woods. But here I was walking back to the house to get a garbage bag and a shovel to bring Squirrely home for burial. And now here I was doing the same thing for Krabby too. I got a fishnet uh, scoop to pluck out the crab. No way was I touching anything dead. Even though I'm a college-educated man, I still think touching something dead means I die, too. <laughs> you, you can't believe how much magical thinking goes in my summa cum laude brain. Yes, assholes. I said summa cum laude. Yes, it was from an art school, but I'll take it. Anyway, I have all sorts of rituals. I pick up pennies off the street all the time for good luck, even though I'm probably getting tuberculosis from them. <laughs> if I don't get through a green light when I'm driving, I think that means I'm going to die. If I see three sixes anywhere on anything, I think the devil's going to possess me. I'm basically a suburban shaman, and I wonder where my son gets all his fears. So I held Krabby way out in front of me as I took him to our pet graveyard, a place right outside of our backyard fence. I put it out there because I didn't want our dog digging up Squirrely or Lizzie or Fishy or any of them and dumping their remains right in my lap while I'm watching Two and a Half Men. <laughs> Should have won an Emmy. I dug, a, I dug a square grave that was nice and clean. My son was now with me, having decided that he would probably regret not being a part of the ceremony. He took the fishnet from me and tried dumping his crab into his internal resting place until its claws got stuck in the netting, and my son had to really smack it around before the crab landed in the hole. We both covered him with dirt, and my son decided he would say a few words. I love you, crabby too. When I say a few words, I mean a few words. I waited a beat, and then I followed that touching eulogy with my own. We were lucky to even know you, Krabby Too. You're in a better place now. You will never feel any more pain. Krabby Too, your energy is all around us now. I can just feel you in the air. Goodbye, Krabby Too. Then we went into the house. My son seemed fine with it all. There were moments where his lower lip would pop out, and I would ask him if he was thinking about Krabby too, and he would say yes. You could see it wash over his face. It seemed very real to him. My wife didn't buy it, mainly because my son was already asking for an iguana. She thought I was projecting my own fears on my son, and in a flash, I was back in the hospital where my mother died. Two years earlier, my sister had called me on the phone and told me that they were taking mom to the hospital, that there was something wrong with her. I immediately hopped on a train and headed home to New Jersey from where I was staying in New York. The train ride was about an hour and a half. I spent most of it talking to myself, trying to convince myself that anything I felt was okay. When I got to the hospital, my family was gone, and a woman showed me into a room with a Kleenex box and a phone, and I knew what was coming. She told me my mother had died, and I didn't know what to do. 
And then I wondered what this woman wanted me to do. This is, of course, the saddest part of me, that I care so desperately what other people think that I can't be myself when I most desperately need to be. I asked if I could see my mother. I didn't know if that was right, but I didn't want to regret missing the chance. And so after a time, I was ushered into a morgue where my mother laid on a steel table covered to her neck by a sheet. In that one second, I realized that I had made <laughs> one of the best decisions of my life. My mother looked beautiful, tranquil in the cold fluorescent lights. She was as I had always known her, and the only indication that her spirit was gone forever was a line of yellow in her eyelids. The hospital administrator never left my side. Once again, I wondered what she wanted me to do. I, I didn't have the courage to kiss my mother goodbye, and so I kissed my hand and set it on her forehead. My heart pounded in terror as my fingers rested against her skin, and having been raised on bad television and movies, I worried that her eyes would flash open. So I understood my son's fears that night. We ran around the house and put all the lights on. He couldn't muster the courage to turn the lights on in his bedroom. No amount of persuasion could make him do it. So finally my wife told him to go brush his teeth and she would turn the light on. What happened next, my son said, made his heart pound in his chest so hard he thought he was gonna die. He was brushing his teeth when his mother screamed, oh my God, oh my God. Even I jumped out of my chair, knocking over my third glass of wine I find that wine has an almost magical ability to banish my fears as well as the, as the knowledge that I have a family and even my own name. <laughs> but all the fear shot back into my body with my wife's terrified shouts. I couldn't even guess what could make this practical woman flip out like that. A woman whose fears tend toward termite damage and the price of gas. My son, with terror in his voice, yelled, what is it, what is it? As if he was gonna step out of the bathroom and find a monster eating his mother's face off. <laughs> my wife yelled, I saw something move in Krabby Two's tank. The color left my son's face, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe he shat himself. <laughs> he was shaking like a leaf. Then my wife flashed her hand forward and pointed, oh my God, there's Krabby Two! Krabby Two's alive, there he is, there he is! And sure enough, Krabby Two scuttled across the tank. I can't tell you how much this terrified me right to my socks. I'm one of those people who's just waiting for that one straw to break my fragile hold on reality, and here it was. We just buried Krabby Two, and now it was alive again like some kind of zombie. And I made the mistake of saying that out loud. I was half joking, but my son didn't think so. He turned to me and said, I prayed to God, Dad. I prayed to God to put Krabby Two's soul back. <laughs> then, my, then, my <laughs> then my wife started to laugh, a laugh I hadn't heard since our wedding 14 years earlier before time and my grating personality <laughs> drove her sense of humor clear out of her. You guys, she said, the crab shed its shell. You buried its shell. <laughs> Crabs shed? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> My son and I ran out to the crab grave with a flashlight. 
We dug up its remains slowly with great respect because if my wife was wrong and we desecrated that zombie crab's final resting place, there was no doubt in my mind he was going to come after us. But it was not to be. There in the shallow grave was the shredded soft shell of a sea crab. All that time and energy for nothing. All the sadness, the fear, the eulogy, the grave digging for what? To honor a crab shell. Lesson four, don't care so much what people think. Lesson five, don't worry so much about death. And lesson six, when you die, have someone throw you in the woods. Okay, for more information about Afterbirth, the book, the show, or to comment on the podcast, please go to www.afterbirthstory.com. Our next Afterbirth, featuring Diane Farr and Stephen Cragg, is on December 3rd at the M-Bar. Then, on Saturday, December 10th, we're going to give the whole night over to Stephen Cragg for his show, I Am Not Mark Twain. The number to call to reserve seats for either of these shows is 323-856-0036. I hope to see you there. Thanks for listening.